Welcome to Should I Stay or Should I Grow, where we help you find and step into your calling. Adati has been obsessing about personal finance ever since she got her first paycheck. After spending years working alongside young colleagues, she was surprised at the lack of financial support they had. At the same time, she was frustrated by her own experience in trying to combine finances with her significant other. To solve both problems, Adati launched Zeta. She brings a wealth of product and operations expertise with her, as well as experience working in early-stage startups. Before Zeta, Adati work in education technology has helped citizens build stronger and more relevant job skills to solve their global talent deficit. Adati has been on the ground floor of two venture backup startups, General Assembly, Guild Education, and served as executive director in the world's leading social entrepreneurship organization, Ashoka. She's also a family finance expert at publications like Refinery29, Business Insider, and Real Simple. So today we have Aditi Shekhar here with us, and I am so excited. Aditi and I work together at Ashoka, and that was my first job out of my master's program. And we bonded. We had a great group of like recently graduated people come together yeah. and just had a fantastic time. And I am so happy to reconnect with you, Aditi, and to talk about um, the three steps that you can take when you're planning a career change. And, and what comes to mind is that maybe you're planning a career change or maybe um, you are, uh, for the person listening, uh, you have a maybe an intuition that maybe you're you you might be laid off or that mm-hmm. your job is going to change. In either of these cases, um, Aditi is an expert in in a financial personal financial and wealth management, and she's going to give us some three amazing tips for you to prepare financially for this change. Yeah, I'm so happy to talk about this topic. It's one that's near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, I always used to say when I was younger that my my sort of passion in life was unlocking human talent and human potential. And so the idea of folks, and I believe that one of the sort of most important things for folks to do that is for them to find their calling or their passions and pursue them uh, to the best of their abilities. And so I spend a lot of time actually talking to folks about how to find that thing or sometimes just how to plan for that thing. And I'm happy to share some of that advice and guidance as we dive in today. Thank you so much. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm happy to give you a little bit of background. So I'm Aditi Shaker. I'm the founder and CEO of Zeta. And Zeta is a financial institution that's focused on helping families thrive. Where the best way to think about us is we're an early stage fintech company that's focused on providing modern day joint accounts for couples and families. So we support young families early on in their journey of managing and sharing finances, and we help them with everything from how to make sure that their bills get paid on time to how do we help them save for the goals that they want to achieve together. Um, So I spent the last 15 years of my career in tech and product development and education and social entrepreneurship. And it's really incredible to be at this moment 
sort of working on Zeta, because if you had asked my 10-year-old self if I was going to grow up to be an entrepreneur working in fintech, I could never have told you that was how it was going to net out. That's so awesome. I love that. So let's say that our listener is thinking about possibly making that career change. Mm-hmm. What is the very first step you think they would need to take? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think once you have sort of an inkling or a sense of where you want to go or what you want to start working on, my guidance, my advice would be to really focus on a time frame. So ask yourself, you know, do you want to try this thing out for a month, six months, a year, two years? What, what is the time frame that you feel you want to give yourself as you sort of test yourself into these new waters? Um, and, you know, I'll give you a very concrete example. My husband and I are very, it's become very clear to us that living in our teeny tiny house in San Francisco that we lovingly call the shack is not giving us a lot of joy. And that we, in fact, want to be closer to family, closer to our friends. And so we're headed to the East Coast to make that distinction. But we we knew that for us to really plan for that transition, we sort of needed to give ourselves a time frame. So we said, let's try it for a year. Let's, you know, that a year felt long enough to both of us um, to really be able to try it without feeling like we were over committing or maybe we would hate it and want to come back. Because um, I have to, I have to tell you, once you're used to California weather, it, there's no going back <laughs> on some level. So I would really, really encourage folks to think about that time frame. And once you understand that time frame, everything gets much easier to plan, because you then know what you're you're sort of planning for and how you're how you're able to make that transition. And it will give you a lot of sort of uh, peace and and take away a lot of the anxiety that comes with the uncertainty of making a shift. So what are some of the things that people need to take into account as they make that time frame? Yeah, I mean, I generally say if you're trying something new, give yourself enough time to prove that out. So one of my favorite stories about entrepreneurship is nothing goes right. Like you can make plans, right? And God laughs. There's that common saying. And and so, you know, you might think, oh, it'll take me a year to get this stood up. But the truth is double that time. Or you might say, you know what? I want to go practice this new um, sort of this new journey for myself or this new talent or this new skill for the next month, give yourself three months. There's the, all I'm saying is like, come up with a time frame that doesn't put an incredible amount of pressure on you while you're trying something new and while you're doing something that's, uh, you know, relatively foreign to you in some, in some ways. So, uh, I, I, the way I would think about it is I generally just like the three months, the six months, the one years, those are easy timeframes to sort of pull out and, you know, ask yourself is, is three months enough is six months enough is one year going to be enough. And then sort of just start there. And, and one of the things I always say, say is that doesn't mean that you only have three months or only have six months or only have one year. Once you're in it, you might realize, wow, I actually need a little bit more time. But at least creating an initial time frame, again, gives you something to plan around and orient yourself around as you're making that transition. It makes me think about <clears throat> something I, I, I heard recently, an anecdote about Jeff Bezos, um, that he wrote a, in a letter that um, a friend of his was trying to master headstands. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that typically people think that to master headstands, it only takes six weeks mm. when really it takes daily practice, fully committed with a coach, with a personal trainer for six months. Wow. So um, it, what, what comes up to, to, to me as you are 
talking about giving yourself enough time is maybe asking a somebody who has already walked that path that you're thinking of to see how long it takes to master a new skill yep. or to or to get in the your foot in the door right. or you know whatever it is that you're 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 thinking so that you have an informed timeline that's exactly right I, I think that's an excellent suggestion you know the people who've gone before you will be phenomenal guides for you as you're navigating that dynamic so yeah certainly reach out to them you know I, I for example people reach out to me all the time on twitter and, and linkedin ask me questions i am happy to answer anything i can get to really quickly especially so if somebody is like hey i'm trying to think about you know, testing out this new business and I want to go be an entrepreneur, what do you think I need to do to prepare? I'm happy to say like, hey, give yourself at least a year to get your idea stood up and running. And in that, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship as an example, I would really encourage you to say, okay, if it's a year that you're giving yourself, then this sort of takes us to that step two, which is you then want to prepare yourself financially to not be stressed in that year. And this is, I think, a really important point that I want to make is I sometimes see people cut their own dreams short by not sort of making sure that they actually have the full space to realize those dreams. And finances are a huge part of that. And something that I try to encourage folks to think about and do is say, okay, if you're going to make a transition or you're going to make, uh, are you going to try a new career, you know, make sure that you are financially set up to do so. So in the world of personal finance, we often talk about things like emergency funds or uh, even, you know, passion funds where you can set aside a bunch of money and essentially leverage those funds when you go off to make this sort of transition. So you're not stressing about the transition working right away. So if, you know, if you're trying consulting for three months and you don't get your clients right away, you're not stressing about that or you're not taking the wrong gigs just to make ends meet. So that's that's the thing that I would really emphasize is that's why I said start with the time frame, because once you know the time frame, you can then stop and say, OK, how do I financially prepare to actually be able to cover my my sort of new journey or my new path? And, and in our world, um, you know, we we often think about it as um, months of expenses. So if you're, again, if you're looking at a three month time frame or you're looking at a one year time frame, I would encourage you to just calculate your expenses per month and try to build up an emergency fund for that full time frame. Now, it might be that you may not get 100% uh, fully there. And that's okay. So if you have a longer time frame, like a year, you might say, Hey, let me start with six months. And then sort of, I have a way to make the rest of it work, uh, as I get stood up, or you might be able to do the full, the full portion. If, if that's something that you're just really good at, but that's the way I would think about, uh, just sort of getting yourself there financially. So I feel like this is where step one and step two can kind of blur together mm -hmm. and they can kind of work together. So we've kind of told our listeners in the past, you don't have to quit your job right away. Right. So first you can just try to get something on the side, maybe take a course. And then once you're in that time frame, you could be like, okay, in three months, I want to be certified in this. Then maybe the next three months, I want to volunteer one day a week at that position to see if I even like it. Yep. The next three months, we're going to start paying off all these bills. And then the next three months, we're going to start saving up for that emergency fund. So like even within that year time frame, you can make 
you know, little steps along the way that maybe within that year, you can go completely part-time at your current job and part-time at this new job so that you're building this bridge and you're building this transition. That's exactly right. I, I, but by no means do you have to make it uh, feel very dramatic of a shift. You can, like you said, you can edge your way in and, and sort of ease yourself in. The only caveat to that that I would say is make sure you're creating the space for your new thing. And one of the things, one of the things I hear people do a lot is they're like, oh, I'm really passionate about this thing and I'm trying to do it on nights and weekends. We're also humans. We need downtime. We need relaxation time. We need to not constantly be putting pressure on ourselves. And that's why I encourage folks to have that financial cushion because then you can start to exactly what you said at the end there, just you can start to create space. You can start to push back to a part-time role, for example, because you don't need a full-time salary because you've actually built that cushion up for yourself. So that is really, really an important piece is make sure you create that space to actually do the thing that you want to do. So I love that. So if, if step one is create the time, enough time for you to, you know, live fully and experience these dreams to see how you can make them uh, move forward. Then the second step is to give yourself enough space financially. <clears throat> and I love this, this, um, uh, the name of the fund, the passion fund. I love it. Uh, and what you're saying is, is, is bringing about, having boundaries with your time in a way, you know, mm -hmm. uh, having boundaries um, and creating those funds in order for you to be able to, to live your life fully. Um, yep. don't, don't pause your life, live your life. Your work is just one aspect of your life. That's right. And something else that's, that's coming up for me that I wanted to ask you and related is that some recent literature has come out. Um, I think the name of the article is something like, um, uh, is is following your passion uh, just for the privileged mm -hmm. uh, because uh, and what this article was saying is you have this beautiful dream and this beautiful passion and it gives you so much fulfillment that you're willing to do it for free that's mm -hmm. basically the definition of a calling mm -hmm. that that in some way you may not uh, be putting your like a, like your negotiation face on in order to receive mm -hmm. pay that is that is due to you or um, you might be volunteering which is a great way to 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 decide whether you want to be in this calling uh, but also you may be volunteering in a position that could have been paid mm -hmm. so as in this second state a step I wanted to ask you what are ways to give us our listeners enough space financially. Um, you know, what are some of those boundaries that people can start to think about and be aware of financially um, so that they are not trapped into, you know, potentially a, an explo exploitative position because they're following yeah. their passion? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be clear with yourself how far you're willing to do things pro bono versus how, how, how far, at, at which point you want to start actually sustaining yourself from that. So a very concrete example is actually a personal story. You know, when I, when I got, I, I was always a kid who was interested in personal finance. I joke, it's the Indian in me. I can't help myself. I love thinking about and talking about money. And it's culturally a very normal thing for us in, in the Indian context to, to have those conversations and to be interested in that stuff. But when I got to the U.S., no one wanted to talk about money with me. They were like, 
how to do you better shut your mouth. Like these aren't things we talk about. It's, it's not necessarily a, a conversation I want to be having with you. I remember one of my best friends was so offended when I asked her how much money she made, because she was like, that's not a thing I want to tell you, which was very jarring to me. You know, I was, I was the kid who was like, guess what? Here's my salary. Here's what I do. Here's how I do it. I, I tell this story because I, I became this sort of de facto person who was always talking about finances. And then people, my colleagues started coming up to me and saying, hey, Adity, you're always talking about money. Can you talk to me about my own? And it started with my friends, it started at work. It started, you know, where people started asking me questions. And I was shocked at how little uh, people understood about money. And, I, and I'm talking about like very smart people, very, very uh, clever folks who, who, who weren't smart about their financial decisions. So I started teaching personal finance completely on a volunteer basis and realized that it was creating a lot of value. And when folks kept coming back to me and saying, hey, I want to do that again. Hey, that was super helpful. That was sort of the moment I realized that I had I was onto something. And it was also the moment where I forced myself to say, no more doing this for free. Like you, you got to you got to uh, sort of put yourself out there and start, you know, really making sure that people are valuing uh, your time and your energy as you move beyond your friends and family circle. So the first time I ever got paid for anything related to finances was when I started teaching it. Uh, I was working at General Assembly and it was very common in our company culture to actually teach uh, some of the skills that we were learning. So I started teaching it to our New York and our San Francisco um, sort of student bodies. In that moment, where you start to realize you're onto something, you're creating value for the folks around you, really push yourself, take yourself out of, out of the comfort zone. I know it's hard, I know it's awkward, but there are a lot of ways to sort of set some standards to say, hey, for example, I'm you know pursuing a yoga teaching career and I wanna start charging for my classes um, because I've, I've done a whole bunch of training at this point and I'm ready to, to sort of start you know making that a part of my income as well. And, and that allows you to then continue that practice and continue to invest in that, that you're that that passion that you want to pursue. Yeah, I just remembered, I completely forgot about this experience. But um, a, a few years ago, I was wondering whether I wanted to sew, like going to sewing. Mm -hmm. And so I volunteered for a local tailor in the greater DC area who will remain anonymous because mm -hmm. I, that first day that I was, you know, volunteering there and I was learning how to make pens and like these things that were, that were nice. Like as I did them, I'm like, mm, maybe this is not for me, but you know what? It's kind of cool. Um, he asked me to wash his dishes Oh my gosh. for his lunch. Oh my and gosh. I, you know, like people pleasing me back then, like not, you know, I'm working on that, but I washed his dishes. No. In addition to doing work for free. Oh my gosh. And so like it, while I was volunteering, I think it's so important to set boundaries. Like you said, like what I'm also capturing from you is like have really clear what you are willing to do, what you're not willing to do for how long you're willing to do it. And then That's maybe right. before you even begin, define for yourself if you're going to volunteer or do something for free. Yep. When is that moment that you say no? Or when is that moment that you're going to say, give me money? And exactly what are the parameters that, you know, so that you have them, you have absolute clarity. Thank you, Aditi. I think it's yeah. so insightful. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, the, this also sort of brings me to my third step, which is 
I, you know, once you know what time frame you're working towards, and once you start to build yourself a financial cushion for that time frame, the thing that you really need to focus on is your support system around you. Whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether that's a life partner, it's important to find a way to talk to those folks around you about the transition that you're making. And you're saying like, hey, I want to try out this new thing, or I want to spend a year in Argentina just to sort of explore that part of myself. Whatever it is, like make sure that you bring the rest of your support system along because you're going to need them. You're going to need them as you try this new thing and you get uncomfortable and there's anxiety and uncertainty and stress, you're going to want to lean on them. And so you really want them to be a part of that journey. So, you know, I, we most often deal with this amongst couples and families where one person wants to potentially take some time off or one person wants an extended maternity leave um, or they want to, um, you know, go back to school, whatever it may be couples are constantly struggling with how do we have that conversation together in a way and support each other. And it, it doesn't mean that you have to uh, always a hundred percent agree. Uh, you know, my husband is thinking about doing things that I, some things that I may not always agree with, but it's, it's a really important place to be able to talk to that person, give them clarity about how you're planning for that transition. So it doesn't create stress on you both. Uh, and, you know, also it gives you an opportunity to say, like, here are the ways that I might need to lean on you uh, or, or need your support. I remember when I was starting Zeta, I said to my husband, I was like, I love to clean our house, but I'm probably not going to clean our house for the next couple of years because I'm going to be way too focused. And so I remember us having a conversation and getting a, a you know, getting some help uh, with cleaning our house, which is a really important element of our relationship. If our house is not clean, our relationship is a mess. It's a weird it's a weird parallel. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving you that example only to say, like, it, it really allowed me uh, by being able to talk to him about starting Zeta, what it would mean for our dynamic, what it would mean for our relationship and how I would need him to step up um, or not in that in that experience was was really, really powerful. John and I had to go through this uh, when I was transitioning out of education mm -hmm. and I, I was starting to make money with my doTERRA business. And I was like, you know, how long do I have to stay a teacher? And he was like, 30 years, you got to get your 30 year retirement. I was like, ah, I think, uh -huh. I'm, I think I'm ready to transition to something else. And um, my financial advisor was like, just come to him calmly with the math. Mm -hmm. Don't come to him in this emotional state because that's not going to be productive. And so I was like, tomorrow I want to talk about this, this, and this. Yep. I'm going to show you the numbers and then I want you to sleep on it and come back and talk to me later. Um, and that, that really helped us have a calm conversation about it. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, some folks respond better to rationality and planning. I am, an, I am that person. I won't lie. And some folks respond better to to the emotional side. They actually wanna, they wanna understand why this is helping you be who you want to be rather than who you may not, who may, you may be pretending to be or may have sort of been pigeonholed into being. And so I, I think it's a matter of really adapting that to who your partner is. And it sounds like John's a numbers guy. So that worked out quite well. I, I also wanna talk about what the research shows um, about naysayers. So when you're changing a career, when you're trying to completely pivot out of an industry and become somebody else, 
people might be used to you a certain way Mm -hmm. and identifying you have a certain identity for them. So even if you have a great relationship uh, with the people around you, they may be very resistant at first, even if you show them the numbers, even if you're talking to them in their language, because it's hard for them to imagine you as a different person. Mm-hmm. And it might take time and it's part of the, and it's normal and it's, it's part of the process. So um, I think that that's also good to have in mind if in case you have a great relationship with people and you just feel like they're not coming along, uh, it's normal. I think that's totally fair. And so Aditi, thank you so much for your time. How can people find you? Yeah, for sure. So you can, I love to share my deepest thoughts on Twitter. <laughs> so you can always find me at Aditi Shaker, or you can check out Zeta at askzeta.com. And you can also check us out on all the different social media platforms at Ask Zeta. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your insights. And, um, and thank you, the listener, for, for being back. And if you can uh, rate and review and subscribe, that would be wonderful. And uh, we'll we'll see you soon. <laughs>